Hello, friends, and greetings. It is the weekend of Sunday, May the 28th. It is Pentecost Sunday, and it is also Memorial Day weekend. Pentecost, of course, we celebrate today and remember the gift of the Holy Spirit given to all believers on that Pentecost, that 50 days after Jesus's resurrection from the tomb. And we also remember this weekend those here in our country, those servicemen and women who sacrificed their lives for our freedoms and for those who uh, continue to sacrifice um, themselves in service to our country. We continue looking at the book of James today. Today we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And again, we're looking at the overall theme of maturity. How do we move wherever we are in, in the spectrum, if you will, of, of our walk with Jesus in our Christian life? Where, how do we move from uh, immaturity to maturity? How do we move the needle along, so to speak? So hear God's word to us again, James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of fruit, a word of truth, excuse me, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's share with you a brief story about this man who was seriously ill, and a visitor asked him if he was willing to turn his life over to God and to renounce the devil. I am willing to give my life to God, he said, but a man in my condition should not be making any enemies. We may chuckle a bit, but we must not forget that the strength and the influence of Satan is real. And all he wants is our soul, and the main way in which he tries to win our souls is by tempting us away from a holy God. And for Christians, this is our greatest challenge in life, trying to deal with the temptations that he brings our way, he being Satan. And although every single Christian struggles with temptations, no other Christian struggles more than those that are young in the faith, someone new to the faith, not someone young necessarily chronologically, but someone who is new in their belief. And part of the reason for that is because it takes a while to believe and to know how sin works in our lives. But we must take courage because James is going to help us this morning to understand temptation in about three different ways. First of all, James is going to tell us about a promise for those who endure temptations. Secondly, he's going to warn us not to point the source of those temptations at the wrong person. And then finally, he's going to help us understand how sin works in our lives. And so we begin with the promise in James chapter 1, verse 12. Happy are those who remain faithful under trials because when they succeed in passing such a test, they will receive as their reward the life which God has promised to those who love him. 
James tells us that the person who remains faithful during temptations is going to be blessed. Now, the Greek word for blessed is makarios, which simply means happy blessed. And the reason for this happiness is because when we pass the test of temptation, we're going to receive the crown of life. The promise is the promise of eternal life. A promise is as good as the person who makes that promise. And now I, I unfortunately, break my promises from time to time. I, I don't want to. I don't mean to. But I do. I've broken my promises with my children. I've broken my promises with my friends from time to time. But nothing hurts as much as the promises broken with a spouse. We trust people who make and keep their promises, don't we? The promise which James is talking about here is given by him who cannot lie. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, which is based on the hope for eternal God, eternal life, God who does not lie promised us this life before the beginning of time. God doesn't lie. And when he promises eternal life, he means it. And he says that this promise is given to everyone who proves their love for God by keeping the faith through temptation, through temptations. And so secondly, so James, after sharing this promise of eternal life, goes on to share with us a warning about temptations. In verse 13, If we are tempted by such trials, we must not say this temptation comes from God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. One of the fundamental mistakes that an immature believer makes, or that those of us that are immature make, is to blame God for the temptations that come their way. James says, listen, friends, don't go blaming God for our temptations. Why? simply because God is a holy God, and he is such a holy God that he cannot be tempted by evil, nor will he tempt anyone to do evil. In fact, James elaborates on this point in James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my dear friends. Every good gift and every perfect present comes from heaven. It comes down from God, the creator of the heavenly lights, who does not change or cause darkness by turning. By his own will, he brought us into being through the word of truth so that we should have first place among all of his creatures. You see, we can't deceive ourselves into thinking that God is tempting us because God is the source of good, not evil. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And as an example, James tells us, that it was of his own will that he brought us to the gospel by the word of truth. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. Now that by your obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves and have come to, to have a sincere love for other believers, love one another earnestly with all your heart. For through, for through the living and eternal word of God, you have been born again as the children of a parent who is immortal, not mortal. In other words, God called us through the gospel so that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James says that Christians, that believers who remain faithful through temptations and don't blame God for those temptations, Christians who understand that they have been called by God through this gospel are the cream of the crop, if you will. And if we believe this to be true, then we should also certainly know that God is never going to tempt us with evil. Thirdly, And just to make sure that we don't miss the point, James goes on to help us understand how sin works. There was a man whose best friend hated his wife's parakeet. 
but he was surprised one day to hear his best friend coaxing it to speak. But when he carefully listened to what the friend was saying to the bird, he, he almost killed over with laughter. Along with its constant and annoying jabbering, the bird also calls out this death wish, so to speak, of here, kitty, 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 kitty. This is the first stage of sin. It starts with temptation. James says in James chapter 1, verse 14, but we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. Notice the temptation stage involves a couple things, two things. First, it involves desires, that strong wanting for something. And secondly, it also involves being trapped, trapped by looking for an opportunity to satisfy that desire. In other words, temptation needs a desire and an opportunity. Here's something to understand about our temptations, and it's something we really need to grasp. Being tempted is not sinful. After all, Jesus himself was tempted, wasn't he? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, our high priest is not one, is not one who cannot feel sympathy for our weaknesses. On the contrary, on the contrary, we have a, we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way in every way that we are, but did not sin. Being tempted is not sinful, so we can't go beating ourselves up every time we feel tempted to do something which is contrary to God's will. Temptation is part of living in a fallen world. It is a result of sin. Sin has been beaten, but the results, we're still, we're still swimming in the pool. And the time to start worrying begins when we get to the next stage of sin, and that is the sin itself in James chapter 115. Then our evil desires conceive and give birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. In other words, for temptation to lead to sin, it needs to take action and to be acted upon. Or if we put it in simple terms, we need to have that desire to sin, then look for an opportunity to sin, and then just go for it. In the Australian bush country grows this little plant called the sundew. And it has a slender stem and tiny, tiny round leaves fringed with hairs that glisten with bright drops of liquid like, like dew. Now, it may look beautiful, but it is very dangerous to any insect that dares to land on it. You see, although its attractive clusters of red, white, and pink blossoms are harmless, the leaves are deadly. The shiny moisture on each leaf is sticky, and it imprisons any bug that touches it. And as an insect struggles to free itself, the vibration causes the leaves to close tightly around it, and this innocent-looking plant then feeds on its victim. And that's what sin does in the life of a believer. It tempts us, and when we give in to the temptation, if we're not careful, that sin will crush us and, and ultimately take our life, take our freedoms which is the first, or excuse me, which is the final stage of sin. It leads to death. Now, we all should know what sin is. Sin is spiritual separation from God, and we also know sin will result in spiritual death. The scripture tells us in Romans 6, 23, for sin pays its own wage, it's death. And so when we're talking about death, we're talking about eternal punishment. Revelation 21.8, but cowards, traitors, perverts, murderers, the immoral, those who practice magic, those who worship idols and all liars, the place for them is the lake burning with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Jesus is telling us that if we're not careful, our desires, which we 
act out on when we have the opportunity, if they are not confessed to God and repented of, are going to lead us into an eternal punishment. And friends, this is one of the most challenging parts about being a Christian, about being a believer. Because no, make no mistake about it, this, Satan wants to win. He, he wants our soul. and he, He's going to throw things our direction to get us to deny a holy God, to turn our back and walk away. But now that we have maybe a better understanding about how temptation and sin work, we also need to look at how we can help fight these temptations which we have. And since we know that the sin process begins with desires, the best place for us to begin for us to overcome sin is to change my desires, or better said, to have my desires changed. Now, remember, we're talking about spiritual maturity as our big theme, as our big goal. And one of the things that needs to change if I want to grow spiritually is my desires. But I can't change my desires myself. Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should do. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and pleasing to him and is perfect. There's that word complete again. So this guy becomes a believer at a gospel tent meeting, you know, old-fashioned revival. Then the next day, another Christian who was at the meeting saw the newly converted man put his hand into a chicken coop. And the older Christian shouted, hey, I thought that you became a Christian last night. Of course, it was obvious that the new Christian was about to steal a chicken. The young Convert said, I, I was converted, sir. Certainly I am, but I was just trying out the strength of my resolution. The wise reply of the older Christian was, it's safer to fight in Satan on your own ground than on his. And so if we want to fight against sin, we need to be fighting on God's ground. And the way our desires change is by regularly reading God's word, the scriptures. I can't fight the devil using his means, but God's and, and I have to understand that, that, that it's only when I use God's will that we can overcome sin. Psalm 119.11, I keep your law in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Remember when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and to be tempted by, the, by Satan? All the way through Matthew chapter 4, 3 through 10, when the devil tempts Jesus with one thing, Jesus always replied by saying, the scripture says this. In other words, for our desires to change, I have to, we need to read God's word to discover his desires for us. Because the more that I can read his word and read about his patient love and his sacrifice, and the, then the more that I long to serve him. Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. What can I offer the Lord for all his goodness to me? I'll bring a wine offering to the Lord to thank him for saving me. In the, in the assembly of all his people, I will give him what I have promised. When we read the scriptures, we can't miss the message about how much God loves us. But, and this is so important. When we read the Bible, we can't miss the message about how much God hates sin. And if we're truly disciples of Jesus, then we too should have the same attitude towards sin. Psalm 119, 104, I gain wisdom from your laws so that I hate all bad conduct. If anyone is into gardening, they, they, they would know if, if we wanted to slow the growth or destroy a plant or flower, 
we would just nip off the buds or the shoots. And what the scripture teaches us is that when Christians regularly read God's word, the less likely we are, the less likely we're going to have those desires to sin against God. In other words, the Lord nips it in the bud. God nips the temptation in the bud and destroys it before it can grow. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. I know that it takes time for our desires to change. It may take our lifetime here on earth. But one of the other ways that we can help ourselves while the change is happening is to limit our opportunities to sin. Now, remember, we're tempted only when there is both desire and opportunity. So while we work on changing our desires or while the Holy Spirit is working on our changing our desires, then we should limit the opportunities to fulfill wrongful desires. And the only way that that is going to happen is when we finally understand that we can't do it on our own. We need God's help, which is exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 13. Do not bring us to hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. He, he more or less says the same thing again in Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We can't do it on our own. We need to ask God to help us. But we also need to throw ourselves a bone by avoiding situations which are really going to tempt us. And that's why, that's what David does. We need the Holy Spirit. We're reminded on this Pentecost Sunday of the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Another like him, the advocate. Listen to what David says in Psalm 101, 3-4. And and I will never tolerate evil. I will hate, I will hate, I hate the actions of those who turn away from God. I will have nothing to do with them. I will not be dishonest and will have no dealings with evil. David was determined to stay clear of anyone who might take him away from God, but David was also determined to stay clear of anyone whose behavior might encourage him to sin against God. Psalm 101, 6 through 7. I will approve of those who are faithful to God and will let them live in my palace. Those who are completely honest will be allowed to serve me. No liar will live in my palace. No hypocrite will remain in my presence. Now, even though we can read God's word to, to help our desires change, even though we can ask God to help us while we are being careful to, not to put ourselves into sinning opportunity, we need to also be honest with each other. We can never eliminate every single temptation which we have as believers. Remember, it becomes that sin when we yield to acting and fulfilling our, our sinful desires. When we become followers of Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives according to Acts chapter 2, 38. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to give us strength. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, 16, I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to be strong in your inner selves. We all have this inner struggle going on, but we have help. God's Holy Spirit is working us and strengthening us so that we can win this inner fight, Romans 8, 12 through 13. So then, my friends, we have an obligation, but it is not to live as our human nature wants us to. For if you live according to your human nature, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death your sinful actions, you will live. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no chance of winning this inner struggle. But we do have the Spirit within us, and He is all, the Spirit is all that we need to help us put to death human desires. 
In fact, one of the signs of, of a mature believer, of a mature follower of Christ, according to Galatians 5, through 23, is self-control. But the point is this, and James says in James 1, 14, but we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. We, we may all desire different things, but we all share the problem of desires. And what we need to remember is that God wants us to win the temptation war within our own lives. In Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13, So then, dear friends, as you always obeyed me when I was with you, it is even more important that you obey me now that I am away from you. Keep on working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey in his own purpose. Paul says that if we truly want to live to please God, then he will help us to do just that. But we have to be willing And please don't think that we're the only one who's ever experienced our temptation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people, but God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you're put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. I want to finish by reading these verses, John's words as we find them. First John chapter 1, verse 9. But if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promises and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins, purify us from our wrongdoings. First John 2, uh, 1 through 2. I'm writing this to you, my children, so that, you, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven, and not our sins only, but also the sins of everyone. John says that when the believer sins, when Christians, when I sin, when you sin, if we confess those sins to God and repent, then Jesus Christ will speak to the Father on our behalf. Sin is dangerous, but he has equipped us with the means to live this life, to move towards maturity, which is pleasing to him. Amen. God bless.